I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in every Tuesday and uh, getting those messages. And I'm so grateful for everybody's support and reviews. And I just wanted to start the intro on my gratitude because it is really amazing how this podcast has really transformed my life by you. (laughs) And everyone that I say you to, you know who you are. It's just opened up this whole, expanded my life in so many ways, but it's creating this this community that I've created through these last, gosh, I can't believe it'll be four years in April, March, April. But gosh, what a journey this has been. I just really want to thank everybody for being the loyal listener and the loyal messengers to me or callers. And you all know who you are. And it's just... It, it's really amazing. And so we are going to start our group. I got so many messages and still message me because we're going to start our group. It's going to be the first Monday of every month at five o'clock Pacific. And it's going to be on Zoom. So wherever you are on a Monday, first Monday of the month, that'll be easy to remember, will be our group. And it's anybody that's listening that wants to have a like-minded community I we would love it. And I, I can't believe when I mentioned that in the last intro, I got so many people texting me or DMing me. I want to be part of that group. So I realize it is a it is something we all miss. You know, having the the connection of a group like that. And I don't know what we're gonna talk about. We're just gonna start. So the first Monday of November is Monday the sixth. So we will do Monday the 6th of November will be our first Zoom group meeting. Make sure you send out your, send me your name and your message or your uh, email or how I can get you the Zoom link. Today's episode is Laura Co. Oh, you guys are going to love her. It's going to be one of those Tuesday mornings when I wake up and I get excited to share her with you. That's that feeling. I listened to her on a podcast and was intrigued by her life story, by her, she talks, she teaches the Akash, she does, reads the Akashic Records, (laughs) Akashic Records, but her story up until then is so interesting. And I think what it does is it makes you realize, like I wouldn't... 20 years ago, I would never have thought I would be doing what I'm doing, right? But when you follow the breadcrumbs and that's what she did and you keep picking them up and you might be picking up some wrong ones, but they're not never wrong. You just keep going down your path of, you know, down that yellow brick road. And then all of a sudden she discovered her magic and what lit her up. And 
you will very much uh, connect to her as I did. Let me read her bio so you can kind of get a little um, gist of where she's kind of come from. Her name is Laura Coe. She was born in Chicago, Illinois. She found her calling in philosophy, which she studied at Brandeis, as well as in graduate school at Tufts University. After realizing she didn't want to pursue academia, she went on to become a healthcare tech entrepreneur. After selling her company in 2006, she came back to her philosophical roots and wrote Emotional Obesity, as well as hosted the popular podcast, The Art of Authenticity. When Laura came across the Akashic Records, a way to systematically deepen the connection to your authentic voice, she found that the wisdom of the records changed the trajectory of her work, and she used it to author the Nature of Series and to found the Little Soul School. Her writing has been featured in Forbes, The Huffington Post, Thought Catalog, The New York Observer, and more. I mean, just the fact that she wrote a book about authenticity, and that's like her theme. She's so authentic. You will get it. We connected, and when we got off the call, we even talked for a while after, and like a new friend. And that's what this podcast has created for me, and it's just, um, it's a blessing. But um, I just finished on a personal note before I bring Laura on. I just finished a session of breath work. It was my in my lifetime, my third time doing it. Um, but this woman had actually done breath work at a Joshua retreat. And the ones that listen to this, I know you know who Joshua is. And it inspired her because she felt it shifted her like life. Like it really opened her up and she wanted to go learn. So she went and learned and she's been doing it for the last, gosh, I want to say year and a half, two years. And I went to her little studio and did it here in San Diego. And then um, she just came here to the house today and did my girls and I, the three of us. And oh, it was so amazing. So I had a new thought while I was doing my breath work. And if you have not done breath work I and you don't live in San Diego, <laughs> you need to find somebody because, you know, I've interviewed many people on this podcast that that are breath work people. And I'm intrigued by what is the thing that really gets people to realize how powerful breathwork is. It, you have to do it. It has to be that experience because there's no way I could explain it. But we're going to have a we're going to have a little day retreat in San Diego on January 21st. It's a Sunday at five at twelve o'clock Pacific, twelve o'clock p.m. and it is going to be, the location will be to be determined. But um, another way to connect with me, please DM me if you want to get on that list. And if you are even in LA and want to come down for the day, my friends that listen up in Orange County or LA, I would love that. We could even come down Saturday and stay and do something and have the breath work. And I think I'm going to find a few other people and do kind of a little retreat day. So that's going to be in the process, but save your date, say the date, January 21st. It's a Sunday at 12 o'clock. Um, for sure, breath work. I'm going to try to get my friend that lives in San Diego to come channel and whoever else, if anyone else knows anybody and 
San Diego or LA that want to come down and we can put something together. I think that would be so fun. Another way to connect. And then on a family note, I finished my college tour with Paige. I think we've got it down to a couple and we will probably make that decision or she will within the next couple weeks. And we're getting ready for a pageant in November. Our national pageant is always Thanksgiving week. We go to Orlando for 10 days. So we have been um, doing a lot of that and getting excited for 10 days in Orlando and see where what growth they have done since last year. And I think that's it. Just enjoying the fall. I love fall. I love the weather. I love the leaves. And I just, this is my favorite time of year. Makes me happy. All right. So without further ado, let's bring on Laura Coe so you can see why I wanted to share her with you. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Laura. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Oh, thank you so much. All the way from Chicago. And when I listen to you, let me explain, because I, I was just telling you before we hit record that let's just hit record because I just want to explain to you in a way so everyone gets it too. So I listened to you on um, Next Level Soul on Alex's podcast and you spoke to my soul. Like I was like, oh, this Laura. And right away, I, and I know now that I'm getting, you know, almost four years into this podcast and I, you know, 180 something episodes, it's I, it's fun to watch the the progression of my growth and what I, when I, someone speaks to me and then I wonder why and and that's cool too, because of what you do. So the point of that was, is I, I'm listening to that episode and then I start listening and looking at your website and connected with you and you responded and I was so grateful and excited and we set up a time. And then I, I really prepare, I, I just love learning everything about my guests. So the last few days I've like dove so deep and it's, like, no wonder she was speaking to my soul. Like, oh, I just, I love your story. I love the authenticity. I see a parallel in my life where, you know, I was, you know, struggling with what I was doing and it just didn't feel right. And then, I'm, um, you know, you just, I have two daughters and they're teenagers and I, I want them to have what you get before they have to go. I mean, they're going to go through their journey the way it's supposed to be. I know that. But these little tips that you discovered along the way and your journey. And when I think of the authenticity part, I think I would use, I know you've written books on that. And that was kind of the beginning of your coaching business is the authenticity. Mm -hmm. But to watch how you picked up these breadcrumbs along the way, like I always look at it like a, you know, walking down the yellow brick road of life, right? Like you get the whys in the road and you're like, oh, maybe I'll go here. And then you figure like, ah, oh, that was probably, I'll steer my way back. But we're listening to that voice, but no one really understands it because they're, it's like they don't get it. And when you describe this Akashic record that I've heard many, many times people would bring it up. I've never interviewed anyone that has, isn't a reader like you, mm-hmm. but we talk, that's a word that comes into the spiritual, you know, conversations, you know, pretty much. You know, it's a, a common word, but now, oh my gosh, it's like you take it to the next level. Like 
everyone can do it. I did your free thing online, how to do that, did the whole key. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Okay. So now that you understand where I, <laughs> why I'm so excited to have you here, I want you to go to maybe when you're 16. I know you were raised like with a doctor dad and, you know, you no know, real, real religion, didn't really believe in God or anything spiritual and didn't like school, wasn't really connecting. And then you get to my daughter, 17 and uh, 14. So I was kind of thinking of them like having an awakening, you know, like having the goosebumps when they read something like you did. But can we start there and do explain your story? Because when I, I hear, I've heard it like 10 times because I've listened to your, and it's just so, it just explains to people when they're listening to this is you do have these little things in your head. Like they are the synchronicity moments. There are the, the knowing, right? The times that you like, gosh, I know that. Why, why do I know that I am supposed to be there? Or, you know, it's all those little things that I don't know if people take it for granted or they aren't in an alignment or aware that that's really going on. But I think you have that gift of showing people like with your story, especially all those little, those moments where the light bulb hits and then you look back and you're like, oh, that's why, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Take it away. I'm done. Uh, all right. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. That's such a beautiful story. And I just loved hearing that. I mean, what you're referring to is I was just that kid that I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I was unhappy. I had, a, I had a great time in high school. I was had a lot of friends. I wasn't necessarily doing what I should be doing in so many ways. <laughs> well, you party. say you're a partier. And I said, Oh, gosh, it's so funny. I really was. I would never I was, think that. Yeah, it's like grew up in the south side of Chicago in the city, you know, as the seventies, we we're like not particularly the latchkey kids. We were not really like supervised. And I had a great time with that. My parents didn't really care what I was doing, which has its own problems, but whatever. I was roaming the streets of Chicago, you know, having a blast, partying like crazy. But like I definitely knew this had to come to a close. Like people were getting into trouble, things were happening. It wasn't that fun anymore. And simultaneously to sort of realizing like, oh, you know, this is not necessarily a great way to live one's life in perpetuity. I was in an English class and I was reading Plato. They were reading Plato because I never did my homework. But I remember sitting with a symposium and there was a turn of phrase and it put goosebumps down my entire body. And this kid who's getting terrible grades at a prep school, I mean, I just felt like shit about myself. I was like, oh my God, I'm not trying. I'm at this elite school. I could do better, but I just didn't care about school at all since I was a baby. I like kicked and screamed into every single moment of grammar school, middle school, high school. And this this moment though was like the turning point, right? I, I didn't know it at the time, but I got full body goosebumps. I read Plato. And I was like, oh my God, what, what is that? Right. And it spoke to something deep within me. And, you know, as a, a non-practicing Jew in Chicago who grew up kind of with a physician for a father, almost atheist, I had no words for that. But somewhere in my soul, I would say today, something woke up. Something woke up. And I went off to college immediately started looking at ancient Greek philosophy classes. I took as many as I could, which surprised my parents. They're like, what? Like this kid who never cared about school is taking, you know, every single thing she can on ancient Greek 
philosophy, the pre-Socratics, the Socratics, Aristotle, anything I could get. And I just, I just loved it. And it just spoke to somewhere deep within me that already today, I would say knew this to be true, right? This was definitely a past life. And so I went to college. I went to graduate school in philosophy. I was like, this is it. I'm going to become a professor. I found what I love, like, right? Like it just felt like so easy until I got to grad school at the ripe age of 22 and realized I hated academia. I mean, I just couldn't stand it. The idea of spending my life researching a topic within a topic within a topic and talking about that with people who also studied to that degree on a topic within a topic within a topic, right? Like it was like, okay, you could become like a Plato scholar, but it's not just Plato. You're going to really read like the Republic and not just that. You're going to become expert at this one. I was like, oh God, this feels terrible. Like this is not what I thought. I kind of had this dreamy view that it was like an apprentice. They were going to take me under their arm and I was going to have this you know, extraordinary experience, just like poetry. Like we enjoy this, this um, passion together. So I left grad school. No plan B, no idea what I was doing. Came back to Chicago. I thought I'd chill for the summer and figure it out. My like very old school dad was like, absolutely no. And he had started a business with my brother. He's a healthcare, uh, it was a healthcare tech company. My dad's a famous physician. He figured out once you have kidney stones, how to make sure they don't ever come back. I could care less about that topic, but <laughs> I had no choice. He's like, you're going downtown. And he literally said, make yourself useful. So I showed up at this building by myself. There was no employees yet in a little laboratory. I mean, it was insane at 24. And I just tried to figure out how to be useful. And the only thing I knew how to do was quicken because I had done a little bit of it in the past to try to keep myself from going bankrupt in graduate school. So I started balancing the books. Um, Nobody had done it. And I spent my time alone in this building figuring that out. And and what I realized was I'm a really good entrepreneur, meaning I'm a good good at leading my own time, making up things to do, figuring things out. You know, this is pre-internet, this is pre-YouTube and I was disassembling computers and putting them back together before I knew it and all that kind of fun stuff. So we built a company, we sold it over a decade, brought my dad's life's work out to doctors nationally. I was very proud of what I did, but I woke up in about 2005 with a new baby and a partner and having, well, I was going to sell my company in a year or two from there. But I started having this restlessness, like something wasn't quite right. And I didn't have any vocabulary for that. And so, I don't know, after I sold the company, I became an executive at a Fortune 500. And I was like, absolutely, this is not it. Not it. Like, you know, they talk about it a lot in spirituality circles at that time. I didn't have any spirituality practicing, but I was so cut off from the neck down. I mean, I had lost all connection to my somatic experience, um, my physical self. I was in my head all the time. I was having panic attacks, but I went to the gym one day and I knew I had to feel better. So I was like, let me try yoga, right? Like I had heard about it. So I took a yoga class after I worked out for real. I was like, let me get to the gym and like do a real workout. And then I'll do this like yoga stretchy thing, you know? <laughs> and I went into this yoga class and I got my ass kicked, but I was sweating and I was so happy. And I'm like, wow, that was like an exceptional experience. And that started to wake me back up to my body, you know? Mm-hmm. And this sort of knowing somewhere inside of me that I was not on the right path for myself. So yeah, I... I I kept going with that. I became a yoga teacher on the side. 
And then I left my company with really no plan B again, but I just knew I needed to be home with my son who was going off to preschool. Hadn't seen him much since he was born, uh, working all the time. And uh, that's when I, I dove into the authenticity world, became an authenticity coach, created a podcast, wrote my first book because I needed it. I was really one and the same, which is true today, like with the work. I was practicing the stuff on myself and writing about it and sharing it. And I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of people who are having the same experience, right? And I would summarize it like, you wake up one day and you look around and you think, I have a great life, actually, right? There's nothing wrong with it objectively, right? Right. Live in a nice house, good, good situation. It's not terrible. There's nothing wrong, but it's deeply inauthentic. And when I ask myself this question, what do I want? I don't know how to even approach it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think very successful people are brought to their knees on that question. Like, what, what makes me happy? What do I want? Um, and it's kind of like the midlife, people call it crisis, but I like to say awakening, right? Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, you know, and I look, I look at my life that way. And when I, you know, you think it's supposed to be that way and you, you know, I, I don't want to say struggle, but you're, I'm struggling with, like, I know there's more. I know this isn't how life, there's got to be a place where I can feel like I'm passionate about something. And I just like trying to follow that. And so many, how many people don't do that or even have that moment where they think, I just, I remember like you, you were on the airplane with your brother and he's like, this is a big world. You don't have to, or something like it woke you up. You're like, you're right. I don't have to do this. Yeah, that was my first moment of spirituality. Uh, what you're talking about is I was an executive at a Fortune 500 and you know, I'd started doing yoga and I was meditating a little and I was like, what is all this stuff? And I had read many lives, many masters long ago. And I was like, I knew there was something else, but I had ra- been raised so differently. And I was really just too busy to explore much more than than work and a kid. But um, yeah, I was getting into that stuff and I had read, you know, just release things to the universe and let it happen. I was right. like, hmm. So I was doing the opposite. I was like white knuckling everything, trying to figure it out, working night and day. I don't know, right? That like, if I think about it hard enough, if I ask enough people, it's going to just happen, right? But it's the opposite of what you need to think more does not <laughs> get right. you more interested in what's true for you. But I was doing it that way. And and then I just had a break point. I was revert, reviewing it with my brother, you know, for the billionth time. And I was like, maybe I'll do this. And maybe I'll do this. Maybe I, should I leave my job? Blah, 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 blah. And he just looked at me. I think he was so sick of me, but he was like, the world's <laughs> a big place. You know, you can do something else. And I don't know, right? Like that moment, I just went, oh my God. Like the simplicity hit me. Like I really can just do something else. And so I just said, you know what? I'm going to release it to the universe. I read about it. It's like reading the alchemist or I don't know what the hell was in my life at that point, but right. I like, sat on the airplane and I and I set it out and I thought, I'll just let the universe handle it. And I wanted to be home with my son who was going to preschool and my nanny was quitting. And about a month before all that was going to happen, my brother called me and he said, okay, you have an opportunity to leave your job. They, the company that had purchased us wanted us to lose 350000 in expenses because the company... It's crazy. We were growing at 44%, but wanted us to shrink expenses. And he said, you know, we can either do it a bunch of ways, maybe fire a few people, or you can go. 
And I was like, oh my God. And he goes, but you have 24 hours to decide. I was like, what? So, you know, this was like the company I built. It had been my my life for 12, 13 years. I didn't have a plan B and I had like a day or two to figure it out. So that was like a, that was my first moment. Of, I released it to the universe. It happened. And then I had said to myself, you know, again, it brings me back to what I believe to be true today, which it, it was my soul's plan. But I said to myself, you know, I just want something authentic. And that got me starting to think about what that meant. And I knew it had to feel a certain way. And so I tapped into myself, like, what does it feel like to go? What does it feel like to stay? And I started asking myself that type of thing for the first time in years and years and years. So after a restless night or two of sleep, like, I, I quit my job and, and kind of went into the unknown again. Oh. And then, so now let's continue. So you were in a relationship for 17 years and she had cancer. It went from a two to two a four, like you were dealing with that. And you broke up. It led to the dating app. <laughs> I'm, I'm pushing it ahead. So now that yeah. you're like tapped into this authenticity, where, you know, this, this feeling or, you know, like the knowing and the listening to your soul, like you, you probably don't know that at the time, like you do now. The yeah, depth no. of that sure. word, right? Yeah. So go there. It became an obsession. I loved philosophy. So now I'm home. I have nothing to do. I loved being home with my son. I loved like thinking about these ideas. And I don't know, frustration seems to fuel curiosity for me. It's just mm-hmm. a thing. So my relationship was starting to struggle. My ex and I were having issues. We had decided maybe we weren't going to work out. And then I get this news that she's got cancer, right? We get this news. And so she had stage two cancer. So I'm like, well, I'm definitely not leaving with that. So I stay and I'm like really then forced to grapple with some deep things, right? Here you are ready to leave a relationship with a partner who's who's very sick. So I push really into myself to surrender, to let go, to like do all these kind of principles to to deal with my emotional turmoil around it. Then she was diagnosed with stage four cancer after she was cured from stage two. Six months later, it was back way worse, dug deep again, right? So here I am like writing and researching and dealing with all these emotions. Somebody who had not been really processing a lot for some period of time to do something that was more inauthentic in so many ways. I was really, you know, in the throes of authenticity, but from a really difficult life situation. But I was really proud of myself. I, I was doing it. I felt aligned, like difficult situation, knew I needed to stay and got her through that process, you know, of our family, my son. And honestly, I mean, it sounds so shitty right now to say, but at that time, I was like, wow, I've really got this authenticity thing checked off. Like, I was <laughs> like you know, like it was difficult. And yet I was surrendered into it and I wasn't losing sleep and I was, I was managing, right? This whole spiritual principle around you can't avoid pain in life, right? And suffering comes from trying to push it away. And I was sitting with it. I was dealing with it. And I was like, maybe I figured the whole life thing out a little, you know, like a little (laughs) secretively, like I wouldn't have said it to a friend or anything, but deep down I was like, huh, look at me. I'm doing all right. I'm not panicking. I'm not anxious. I'm, I'm okay in the midst of truly difficult stuff. And then the relationship, you know, she was healthy. I waited a year for her to to really be okay. And we decided that it was over. And I 
<laughs> I went out into the world for the first time in, in 17 years. Dating apps were a thing. And I was like, well, I'm totally curious about that. So I sat down in my living room and I'm swiping away and I set up a couple dates. <laughs> <laughs> and the first one I go on in 17 years turns out to be my my twin flame, who then introduces me to the Akashic Records. I didn't know what a twin flame was at the time. And I didn't know what the Akashic Records were at the time. At that point, I was just taking a bit of a pause. I knew as you've done, I did 250 episodes on my podcast. I'd written, I don't know, 100 blog posts on authenticity. I'd coached people around the world on the topic. I had spoken on it. I'd written a book. I was like, if I speak about the intersection of success and authenticity one more time, I'm going to kill myself. I loved it. But then I felt like I needed to go deeper, right? It didn't feel authentic. And I'm like, how can I be an authenticity person who's like not authentic, right? So I just didn't know what that meant. So I don't know. I was grappling with maybe getting a different job. Maybe this was just a phase. So yeah, I went on the dating app. I met this person. Um, for those of you who don't know what a twin flame is, it's your energetic other half, right? The right. twin flame soul. I don't know what your audience is used to hearing about, but um, we have many soulmates. We have one energetic other half, which sounds lovely, but it's a very polarizing, conflictual relationship meant to help you see the areas of your life that are less healed for you to grow quickly, which is what happened. <laughs> right. But when go back to the twin flame. So you explained it so much better than I had ever understood it. It's like when I look at our human body, we have a fraction of our soul inside, right? Yeah. Is that, and the main soul up here is part of that twin flame. Like that's, you share a soul so essentially, and again, we only have language to describe this, so right. it's the best we got. But yeah, so the theory is that when your soul is created, first life, not this life, um, you have, it splits in half and you have one energetic other half of yourself that okay. gets embodied in- Every time. I mean, every time. Every okay. single one of us has one twin flame. Oh, you okay. meet in some lives, you don't in other lives. Huh. And you only meet when you want to have an ascension, meaning you want to grow really rapidly. So your energetic other half is living lives and you're living lives and then you meet and you're, it's your mirrored soul. So you, you mirror, you know, when you're in a relationship and you're like, wow, that person can trigger me in a way nobody else can. It's like times 50, right? So you mirror the areas that you most need to heal, right? Because once people trigger you, in truth, it's because it's something unhealed, right? right. There's a difference between being pissed off and triggered, right? It's right. like fundamentally a totally different experience. And so, um, yeah, the reason that it's so healing is that there's a a love that is like unbreakable. It's like It's like nothing else. It's really more akin to maybe how you feel about a child. You cannot stay angry. You cannot separate. There's a soul yearning that happens. There's sort of a telepathy that happens. There's a knowing about the person's in a way that, like when I was in my 20s, I used to say, before I die, I'm go- I know I'm going to be with a dancer. Um, oh, right. right. And she would say things as well. And we, you know, I think we we brought each other into each other's lives from that perspective. But that's what a twin flame is. Soulmates, you have lots of them. You incarnate with them. They're like your twin. They're like your um, soul buddies, right? So there's just people who you sometimes marry, but it could be 
friends or family. It's like study buddies is my favorite way to think about it. You do like earth school well together. So it's like, let's get together, figure some stuff out in this lifetime. We just enjoy each other and it's more compatible. Right. Mm -hmm. So explain when you're at the fire at that hotel and you like looked at each other. I I was there, so I'm already picturing myself watching you. (laughs) (laughs) But where you get that moment where you just look at each other in your eyes and you're like, like, I know you. Yeah. So, yeah. So here I am. It's, it's, you know, 17 years relationship. I'm dating again for the first time. I was just looking to have a good time. Third date, we go out and we're at a, at a hotel, the Ritz Carlton, having a drink. I'm weirdly, she's sitting up and we're on a couch and I'm weirdly like almost leaning into her, her shoulder. Like, who does that? Like, uh, my legs are up on the couch and I'm playing with her shirt collar right? That's so strange for people who don't know each other. (laughs) And she kind of looks down and I look up at the same moment and our eyes met and we both know that moment. And it was like an electric bolt went through me. It was truly like a movie scene. And we left right after. I went to my car and I was like, what is going on with me? I felt undone, really. Very excited, very kind of elevated energetically, but like something I'd never felt before. I went to bed that night and I envisioned a poem and I am not somebody who writes poetry. I don't like poetry. I don't understand poetry is mainly why I've tried to understand it. And I'm like, I'm still stuck on the fact that it's a bird. I don't know what the bird symbol of it is. Like, right? It's just like super, not my thing. And I I visualized this poem of of us at a wedding scene dressed in white by by the side of the water and I woke up in the morning and I, I wrote a poem and I wrote a poem about her soul. And I don't know how I knew what I knew, but I knew core qualities that when I sent it to her, she was just blown away. That said, because it was my twin flame, by the time I had written it and sent it, we'd already broken up for the first time. <laughs> right. So yeah, I was like, wait, do they get back together? I was like, I'm like on the edge of my seat here. Yeah, yeah. No, it started the beginning of a several year. I mean, we're on year six of coming together, separating, learning, growing, healing. It's definitely a struggle. But from that day forward, I could write poetry. I woke up this dormant creative side that I guess I had learned in a previous life, Mm -hmm. right? Is what I understand it to be today. At that point, I was like, what the hell is going on? I mean, it was just... It was just wild. So yeah, I, we started dating immediately. And then um, one spring day, she was like six months in. She's like, you want to try something? I always heard about this Akashic record. And she had learned about it 20 years ago, but she had waited to do it. And um, said, you know, she thinks she had waited to meet me later. So we went and we did an Akashic record reading. And I was telling my friends, I just want to move into a modern minimalist apartment on the lake. I had this big house and... I walked in this room. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't Google search it. I was like, well, sure, why not? Right. And this woman sat across from me and she was like, what's your name? And I told her my name. She read some sentences. That's how you open up the Akashic Records. And she said, I see a modern minimalist apartment on the lake. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> <Wait." laughs> and then she just starts truth bombing me. Like, Talking about authenticity, I mean, it was like, like sliced to the core of my personality in a way that my best friends, the way I describe it is if your best friends got together with like a team of therapists and a guru and said, what does Laura need to know in this moment? 
it was like somebody just kept wow. mic dropping that in my direction until I was catatonic. I mean, I just would stare at her like, huh? <laughs> 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 just taking huh. frantic notes. Yeah. But so and then she tells you you had like 135 lives with your twin flame. So yeah, there's um the modern minimalist department. She tells me about my son in a way that I was like, what the hell? And then she said, oh my God, the love you have for this person. It's so deep. It's so profound. It's like a tree with the roots, which we heard a million times after that. And I think you've had 135 lives together. She said, wow, you two fight, but you can't get down the hall without making up. Like immediately you forgive each other. And it's because you've had so many lives that it's it's deeper than family. And it just went on and on. So here we are. She did a cranial sacrum massage. I did this, then we switched. Right. She goes in, she sees my face. She still laughs about it today because I was just like, I'm trying to play it a little <laughs> cool. I mean, it's only been six months. We're not even committed. And I'm like, this is my what? My t-? like, do you know what I mean? Like, you don't say that on, on, right. In the dating process. So she goes in and I'm thinking, God, I hope she got the same information. And she looks at me. <laughs> you want to get a drink? And I'm like, uh-huh. And then it was kind of this weird, like, well, you go first. What'd she say to you? You know, like, that's right. a strange a conversation to have. So we fessed up to each other kind of little bit by little bit uh, that we had received similar messages about our, yeah, our connection. Right. And then yeah. you go to Soho and then we'll, then we're going to get into the Akashic Records. But I just, I feel like why this is, to me so fascinating is people, like I said in the beginning, like the Akashic Records. Oh yeah, I got into my Akashic Records. I've never heard it like the way, like you say, everyone can do this and you, and it's all there and it's all, you know, in this, on this podcast, everyone that's listening, you know, we talk all of these about time and it's all happening right now and the Mm. future, the present, the now, it's all right now. You know, we all, it's all, I'm in that language with you. But when you explain this so simple, <laughs> I never was drawn to it. It never like spoke to me really until I heard you say it and your experiences of it's a, like you say, what is, I wrote something like you're, you can find your soul's purpose. People, you know, like the reason why people go to those to learn that, to go yeah. get a reading. I'll give you like my my quick explanation. Since you asked, I'll just quickly share with the audience the the way I got into it. I I we went to Soho just so we don't leave them hanging. But right. we went to Soho and and we just kept. I just kept doing them. I was obsessed. I mean, that first reading, I was like, "What the hell was that?" As somebody right. who's setting authenticity, I'm like, "Oh, I need more of that." And so I was such a pain in the ass. I would call multiple people, ask the same question, like, "My name's Laura Co," and do it again and again. And I'm like. Oh my God, it's the same answer. Like I really? couldn't believe it. Huh. Yeah, different metaphor, different language. But I just had to prove to myself that it was consistent. And right. I, you know, my mind was sort of in a bit of a, I grew up at almost atheist, right? So I was in a bit of a conflict with what this was. Right. So we went to Soho, we were out in the streets, we bought a Tibetan bowl for some sound therapy and we're drinking champagne and hanging out. The next day we have a reading. Um, we were doing it over the phone. And this woman starts with, Oh, I see a Tibetan bowl and sound therapy. And I was like, are you bugging my hotel room? Like, how do you do that? Right. And so after a whole bunch of these, we were using it to heal the relationship and um, just having such a great time with it. One of the readings said, Laura, you could do this. 
And I was like, no way. I mean, no way. I'm not a mystic. I'm not that person, period. Right. But because everything had been so accurate, I was like, oh, you know what? A, I have nothing to do right now because I was between things with work. I was like still confused where I was going. And I was like, fine, why not? So I'll give it a try. And I took a workshop and I sucked. I was terrible. So I was kind of like, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm not good at this. I had a dear friend 25 years ago who was like crushing it on a passion project. And I hadn't talked to him in, in forever, literally 25 years. And I saw him on Facebook and I was like, I need to talk to Cal. Cal's going to set me straight, get me back on path. I don't know what I'm doing with these Akashic records. This is not for me. And we talked, we shared, we connected, we sh- like our kids, our lives, our relationships. And then at the very end, I said, I don't know. And I found this like Akashic record. And he goes, wait, you can go in the Akashic records? And I'm like, well, I don't wouldn't say I go in. I mean, it's pretty bad. And he goes, oh, if I could do that, I would do it every day. Huh. And we got off the phone and I thought, oh my God, I just went back in time thinking I was going to get told to, yes, do a passion business project again, you know, and instead he just drove me right towards this, right? So that breadcrumb idea. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. So I went in and I started practicing every day, every single day. And I mean, it was a struggle. I mean, I was fighting with my ego, battling myself and I learned how, and then I taught a friend and I was like, I couldn't believe I taught her, right? I was like, that was pretty easy. And then I taught another friend. And then I taught another friend. And I started to realize maybe anybody can learn this because I certainly felt if I could learn it, anybody could because I did not identify this way. So I was reading every single person that would let me <laughs> go in their records. I was like spending four, five, five, six hours a day uh, doing this. And then I started teaching people on the side just for the for the entertainment. and. Then that same friend was running a men's group. And he's like, we're going to blow these guys' minds. I'm mm-hmm. going to have you come in and we're going to teach them the Akashic Records. And I was like, what? And I'm kind of sweating. I'm like, I don't know if I can teach like 40 dudes who don't care about this. But I did. All 40 of them learned how it was the most beautiful thing. I mean, beautiful. They were crying. They were vulnerable. They were getting these truths with each other. They realized maybe they could connect to something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. And they were so taken that they could quote unquote be special too. Right. But it got me thinking about it, right? Like what is it with mysticism that we think some people are connected and others are not, you know? So the Akashic Records, the way I describe it, is the energetic space that holds your soul's history. Everything you've ever done in all of your lifetimes is stored there. And an Akashic record reading essentially is like a little Google search for your soul. You're going to get what is for your highest good in this moment to help you move forward, to get unstuck, blocked, right? Like whatever it is you need to keep you on your path. And so you mentioned purpose. The idea is like I, on a soul level, right? The deepest part of myself came up with something I wanted to do in this lifetime. And then I embodied, and that's what those knowings are, those little breadcrumbs. It's like, oh, this isn't in competition with what Laura thinks she wants. This is what Laura wants, right? Right. I went through this year long, like, what the hell? Am I just a puppet 
to my soul? Like, is my humanness just like here to activate my soul journey? That felt really shitty to me. I'm like, it doesn't feel right. So then I thought, well, wait, I'm an authenticity person. Like, when am I happiest? I'm happiest when I'm fulfilled from somewhere deep within. What does being fulfilled deep within mean? Mm -hmm. That's your soul, right? And so all the dots started to connect for me. It's like, oh, on a soul level, I set this up. The Akashic Realm is here to help guide me either through little knowings, right? We get them whether you're in the records or not. So we're always all connected. Every moment when I got goosebumps, when I read Plato, right? Each step was the Akashic Realm. It's, It's just, it's not as easy to hear. When you go in the records, you get like a megaphone, right? It just amplifies the messages. It allows it to come through more freely. It's like carrier pigeon to cell phone in my mind. And so in a reading, you connect into this guidance and the Akashic master teachers and loved ones offer what is for your highest good in this moment to help you back on your soul plan so you can do what it was you wanted to do in this life because that'll make you the happiest, right? That's why you came here. Yeah, so I did the key on your website and I did the meditation. I did everything. I did the whole... I mean, it's the, I was telling everybody, you got to go on to Laura Coe's website, go to the, it's free. You understand why, understand how to access these files, right? So I'm doing this meditation sitting here like this. I mean, I can see the light in my, the top of my head and I'm feel, filling it like you say, right? And I do the whole thing, put my feet on the ground and, and then you, you start to say like, what's coming? And you say, you talk about the tomato. So I was trying to explain it to my friend yesterday and trying to explain how it just comes and you just trust and you just keep letting it come. Even if it, if it is a tomato, what is it? Is there's a green thing on the top? Is it on the ground? Is it on the tree or on the vine? It's like you say you plug in someone's phone number on a cell phone. Sure. Like, like someone's phone number, but you're saying their name and there's certain sequences and how you say it. And then you're in like that. Like that, yeah. like no, it's crazy. What? Yeah. So just like you have a cell phone, you plug in different phone numbers. We would have thought 50 years ago, impossible, right? So I have these sentences. You read them. You just plug in a different full legal name. It opens up one person's soul's energetic history or another. And then from there, say you were my client, you would, I went in your records, you'd ask me a question. And like, you know, you go to Google and you're like, I want to go skiing. And you get a lot of results, right? And you're going through it and it's not that fun. When you go in the records, you ask a question and I return back one search result essentially, right? What is, think about how much content there is if every thought, feeling, and action over all of your lifetimes is there. Right. Right. So they organize for us what is for your highest good, knowing you on a soul level that It's not just about this snapshot in time as you know yourself as this person. They're thinking about you in totality. What do you need to do to move forward? And so you'll ask a question. I'll get quiet. I'll start to share what I receive. And what that means is the records come in three ways. They come through auditorily. So I'll hear words. I'll be almost taken over auditorily, like kind of channeling. You're sort of spoken through visually. um, They love, love, they're long, long metaphors. I mean, the records are not like a channel in that way. It comes through very visually, 
very, very complex and quite honestly, cartoonish and hilarious metaphors. And then feelings like you get a sense it's in the heart chakra or the throat and you know, oh, this person doesn't speak in their truth, but you'll get the right words to match. So it's not like, oh, every time I feel my throat, it's the same thing. It's almost never the same, to be honest. Everybody's soul is coming about these things differently. So I might have a closed throat chakra 50 times in a year, but the reason why, what it means, where to heal, whatever, will be different. So you'll um, start to speak and speak and you'll, it's so odd. I mean, this lady I love to talk about because it was such a funny reading. She was asking about something pretty heavy and I saw a little kitten with goggles on, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, what? So I tell my clients, I'm like, okay, well, here we go. I see this kitten and it's got goggles and in front of it is a yarn ball. And then there's this wall of sort of grayish cats. And behind the kitten with goggles, is a field of like a foggy field. And that's where they started. And, you know, you start to unpack though each thing and the kitten means something and the goggles are there for a reason. And this foggy field is there for a reason. And this wall of cats was something and, 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 and. And so you start translating. Everybody can get in the records pretty quickly. No question. You're not going to be good at it though for a period of time. So... It's so easy to think about if you think about piano or tennis or golf or knitting or whatever it is you enjoy doing, puzzles, whatever it is. It takes time to get good at anything, right? People come to these classes. I run them all the time. I do a level one class with hundreds of people and we we go in the records together. I get everybody in the records. We open up the key. You're in the records. But then they're frustrated. They're like, well, I didn't get, you know, an answer to my purpose in life. And I'm like, well, that's a really hard question, actually, right? Like, just be happy you're connecting to something bigger than yourself for a little while. Like, that's really cool. You know, just enjoy that you're a mystic, that you're not disconnected, that you're not not special, right? Like that stuff is pretty meaningful already. But it it does take a couple, a couple months to figure out how to translate it. Um, and how do you know when you're connected? Like when I did it yesterday, I go, okay, I'm in. Like, how do I know? <laughs> yeah, that's the, the biggest question, right? So what I say to people is, how do you know you're sleeping, right? Right. You've done it thousands of times. And so let's say you were talking to somebody who's never fallen asleep and they're like, yeah, but what's the moment that you're sleeping, sleeping versus in and out of sleep versus um, half asleep versus light sleep versus deep sleep. Like, oh my God, I was knocked out last night. Oh my God, I barely slept. I think I was, I totally had huge dreams. We have so much vocabulary. Right. But I don't know how to describe a thing. You put your body in a bed and slowly something happens. I don't know, right? Like right. I, I have no words for that. So the Akashic realm, similarly, when do I know that my ego is fading away and the Akashic realm is taking more and more and more and more and more of me until I'm essentially in a lucid dreaming state, meaning I'm conscious of what I'm saying, but I know that none of it is me. It's experiential. So the more you do it, the more you're like, oh, there it is. Oh, Hmm. that's not it. And you can tell. I can watch somebody in the records and I'm like, there's their ego there's the records. It mm-hmm. feels different. It's got a different quality. The languaging has a a style to it. The metaphors are, I mean, 
I teach people and they're like, I don't know if that was my imagination. And I'm like, really? So do you normally talk about kimono dragons and ancient paper and emojis in the same sentence? Like, does that usually (laughs) happen for you? And they're just like, oh yeah, that's true, right? It's like got this strange oddity to it, like the kitten example I I mentioned. And there's no judgment ever, ever. Like it's unbelievable. There's no right or wrong. You wanted this. So you may be going off track to some degree, but they won't say that that's bad. They'll just say, well, you know, life is feeling a little darker or heavier because you wanted this, but you're doing that and here's the guidance. But you can continue. It's not a problem. So it, it it's sort of astounding how little judgment there can be. So that that's also a big tell time. So there's all these things. It takes some time, but it's like saying, how do you know when you're asleep? You just know. Right. And so it would be to me, you would say to me, like, go through this, the key to your soul. Do that. Do the meditation. Just keep doing that over and over until you can see the difference between like being in a dream versus questioning your ego yeah. or being in the ego state. I teach a level one and a level two, and then I have a whole certification. So it's it's a lot of stuff. But But what I did for myself, you don't have to work with somebody. Just keep going in the records. And do it with people you don't know. Because if you get anything correct, you'll go, oh, damn, I know I didn't know with a stranger. That's a hundred percent, right? So people like to go to their family members and they already have pretty strong opinions or you're asking really hard questions, right? Like soul's purpose or something. Like don't start there. Do something more basic, right? Like I have a great relationship with my son. I already feel pretty connected to him. Ask a stranger or a friend about something that you don't know much about, but they feel really confident about. And you can okay. just go in and ask about that. And then you'll build it up and it's like, oh, okay, I felt that. And then they validate it. They go, oh. So you can start in your own records. It's just harder because you're validating yourself. And then you wonder, was that really the records or me? Right, so, okay. Yeah, that's my biggest tip is do it a lot. And then the last thing is... Make a promise to yourself and the person you're reading for at least a month or two. I promise not to take this advice seriously. (laughs) Right? Because there's all this pressure to get something good out. And you don't walk up to a piano and say, oh my God, I have to do Beethoven in two weeks or I'm going to quit. Right? It's like, it's absurd. You just want to get like a couple chords going. So if you could just get one truth or two truths, like anything that even is resonant to the person, like A plus, if you're trying to solve their life problem, you're probably going to mislead them and feel really stressed out, right? Like it, it's a lot to put on somebody who's new to it. How often do you go into yours and like for questions? Like, is that your toolkit? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it depends on the year. When I was first starting, again, this is what I do for my life. And it just spoke on every level to me, but I was like borderline obsessed. I would journal every day for an hour. I channeled all these books. Um, I have three of them out right now, but I I did 10 of them in six months. I wrote 300 pages of gorgeous Akashic wisdom. I was reading everybody I could. So I was kind of maybe three, four, five, six hours in a day a lot. Once I started doing it more professionally, one to two readings a day was was plenty. It's, It's very taxing to focus that much. For my own practice, 
I used to do like an everyday journaling thing. And then I was doing so much work teaching it and doing it for others that I kind of got a little burnt out. So I've been slowing that down and coming back into my own practice. And I think that's something I thought about a lot, you know, my relationship to it. I got a little unhealthy with it, if I'm going to be honest. Like I started thinking, well, why would I make any decisions when this advice is so much better? Right. Like, That's what I mean. Like I'd sit there and all day, okay, am I going to go to the store, to that store or that store? <laughs> or you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Absolutely. I got there. And so each phase of this has helped me develop such a spiritual vocabulary because I started thinking about free will, right? right. And choice and like predestined and, you know, do I need to be that in control and have that much knowing? If you believe, which I do believe that, you know, there's a plan for each of us and it's a long winding road to get there. I think the records shortcut the pain points if you're willing to listen. But it, the advice is like, it takes time. I mean, people will say to me all the time, like, what do I do about my relationship? What do I do about purpose? Right. Like we have all the same bigger right. questions, but the answer is like your relationship to joy. Right. And that takes time, right? So you don't need to go, they don't really care if we go to one building or another or if we get our hair cut or not. Like the Akashic Realm could give, they don't care where you move. People are like, should I move to Arizona? They're like, uh, it's why are you moving? And if it has something to do with a deeper soul's journey piece, then they're very invested. Otherwise, live wherever you want to. So there's a lot of stuff that's not that important. So these these bigger teachings that your soul came here for, and the process you're moving through that is the stuff you'll get the most guidance on. But then as a human, we're here to be embodied, to experience it. And through the experience, Laura and her soul are understanding this together, right? And that was a big, oh, moment for me. Like your soul is here to learn. So there's some topic that your soul came in here not knowing. And so you're going to internal guidance for yourself to understand some part of your life. But that's the lesson. That's the soul lesson. So even your deepest authentic understanding of yourself can be misguided on a soul level if you're still learning. Um, so that that's ultimately what the Akashic Realm is here to support us in, in my opinion, is to um, elevate the conversation we're having with our own soul and our own teaching and our own learning in this lifetime. So so I realize I don't really need it on a day-to-day. I really need to just take the advice and go activate on it for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And then once you do, you can come back and ask again and you get new advice, right? They give you, at the time when they told me to take a workshop, had they said, hey, Laura, you really just plan to go crazy with the Akashic Realm for the next few years. I would have had a nervous breakdown. I'd be like, no way, that's not for me. I'm not a mystic. So you get what you need in those breadcrumb ways, but it it can take months to learn the lesson that that you're hearing about. And you learn, can you ask like what other lifetime, like I know it's all happening at once, but what other, where you're, you know, are you in a galactic system are you in another time like I know you had a connection to Greece and we're going I have my we're going to Greece and I have always had that on my vision board or you know Greece we went to Rome last this last summer so I know you had that connection you went to Rome and and then you went to Greece and you had that connection and from traveling and having that 
I wonder why I'm, you made me wonder why am I drawn and why did I plan a trip to Greece for next summer? And what is that pull? You know, like what is your soul doing? But I feel like answer the question because I've gone way over my, the, the, the topic of what I asked you at the beginning was, is your, do, can they tell you where, yeah. like, can they tell you, yes, you've been in Greece. That's the, my point. Yes. You have a, you're living in Rome. You're, you're this in, <laughs> you're yeah. in the Colosseum fighting. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. This is like the, the number one thing with the records. Like, why am I getting the information I'm getting? So people will come to me and say, can you just tell me about some of my past lives? And it's like, nope. Can you just tell me my purpose? Maybe, right? You will get what you need. That's what's so frustrating, right? Okay. It's so frustrating. So if it's not um, just soul t- tourism, you're not just allowed to go and like read endless books about your soul's history. If we were supposed to know all that, I think we would know it all, right? And if right. we could handle all that information, we would come with it. I don't think we can. It's really my truth. I think as a human, the the complexity of some of this stuff is so outside of what the limits of our mind can right right deal with. So you get exactly what is truly for your highest good. And sometimes that really questions my understanding of truth, right? So you you don't get to hear about a galac- uh, another area you're from or different, a galaxy, or maybe you'll hear about why Rome and Greece matter, or maybe you won't. It depends on whether it's beneficial to you in that moment to hear that information. Got it. Right? So that can be really, really annoying. I, I was told like this twin flame journey, you know, we keep hearing we're supposed to do something special and we're like, what? Just tell us. And they don't want to tell us. And we're like, God, Jesus Christ, you know, but that is the lesson to surrender, to let go, to drop into the unknown, right? So it's often baked into the lesson is some not knowing. Right. You know, I had Coot on my podcast like you did. Yeah. Coot and the magic of surrender. And I, you know, that was one of the, like reading, I read his book and I was listening to you explain surrender. And I love in my life when I know that I've surrendered and I just trust and I know that it's, I'm going to pick those breadcrumbs up. And I know, you know, it's like being a mom, you know, teaching that to your kids, like in life, you just, you trust and you, you know, you, you know, teaching that knowing and that awareness of your soul and the awareness that you do know, you know, but to have that surrender. And that's when I know the magic. That's why I love that my uncover your magic, but I love magic. I love knowing because when I am surrendering, that's when I've, and just trust and just go. I, and right. I, it's just that it's pull. It, you just know you're being pulled. You don't have to have those crutches, you know, to where people are like, Oh, I better, you know, get to my records and see where I'm supposed to go next. You know, that's right. That's right. That's it's like literally antithetical. If you really spend enough time in the records, <clears throat> like I've been in there thousands of hours for people for myself, but you start to realize there's really one thing. There's just one thing, right? To awaken to the energy of the soul self that wants to breathe through the physical self into this experience of being alive and to allow that flow state to occur when we're sort of in energetic lockstep with everything and anything in all moments and remaining open. So I mentioned I had this big exchange with myself around free will and like, what is it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
And in reality, I think there isn't really that much. I think it's just your relationship to the present moment, right? And if you're willing to just keep listening, listening, listening all the time, the universe is speaking all the time, all the time, little yes, no's and yes, no, knowings. And if you pay attention, it just goes up and up and up and up and up and up and up. And I mean, at this point, the level of serendipity in my life is off the charts. I can literally think somebody and they text me. It's like everything is in lockstep free flow for me. Until my mind starts to question, you know, mm-hmm. and grip and say, wait, but I want to know what's going to happen. And then you drop back into that place. So the records just want us to be in that awakened state. That is the quote purpose of our experience. Now, when we're yes. in that state, it could lead to something 3D, your lovely podcast, but it's not the point. The point is to be fully alive and awake into this full light experience where your energy is flowing up using the mind, using the mind to navigate your next steps, but the mind's not controlling the next steps, right? right? So you're in right relationship to it. And then, yeah, I mean, everything starts to click and you think, oh my God, like, what is this grid that I'm in? And there's really no space between me and my soul. And free will is just my willingness to say yes or no the energetics of what's presenting in each moment. And when I listen and I follow, my God, you know, right. it's, it's really a, a beautiful experience. So yeah, I, I think Coot's extraordinary at talking about that. It's my experience in the records and ultimately the hope for all of us that we, we sort of find, remove the blocks, remove the, the mental noise that we were raised in to keep us from listening to what's deep within us and to fulfill our, our soul's purpose, right? And for some of us, it's working out karma with our grandmother. For some of us, it's changing the world on a global scale. That It's not really the point. Right. You know, it makes you, when I listen to you say that and I, the way I live my life, it's like we, people make it so hard instead of like what you said, like just being in that moment I mean, I love the, I love that present moment. I'm, that's like, probably I say that word so many times on the show. But when we talk about, when you explain what we're here for in our soul's like purpose is that is just going and trusting and, and getting in tune with that. And I, instead of overthinking and over processing all, you know, and like getting so 3D, you know, or whatever, you know, so dense in it. Yeah. You know, it's nobody's fault. We've been educated into believing that our mind is the center of our life experience. And that if we work hard enough in the directions that our mind leads us, that everything will work out. And by working out, you know, everybody's after the same thing. They want to just feel better, happier, more peaceful, calmer, right? Joy. And we keep thinking that I'm going to get there. I mean, it happened to me. I had the the Labrador, the house, the relationship, the kid. Like I was like, oh, all the boxes are checked. It wasn't there, right? I had to go right. through this deep dive into myself. And ultimately, you know, I quote this T.S. Eliot poem all the time, but the still point in the turning world, it's like learning how to find the connection to oneself regardless of what's happening, mm-hmm. right? And allow and trust that energy of self to flow through this existence that we're all in, which we really don't even understand what we're doing here. I mean, 
right? It's like, what are we doing here, Laura? I don't know. I mean, we have all these theories. We, I mean, from the non-dualist to the Akashic realm to Buddhism and Hindu, I mean, in the end of the day, we don't really know why we're here. They're all just ideas. And it's a scary thing, right? So we're trying harder and harder to to get some sense of control over what feels like an out of control experience. I don't know why we're here. I mean, you know, I mean, I could tell you a bunch of things I've experienced or read, but it all comes through perception and language. Right. right. Yeah. You know, we talk about this, we're closing up, but you know, we're talking now we're in 2023, all the crazy life since 2020, these, everything's awakening, moving, new earth, you know, ascension. My thing lately, like, cause I live on a, in a place where I don't watch the news. I, I do live in my present moment and I'm always focused on my vibration and my energy and what I'm, my thoughts and everything. And I'm that way as a mom. And I'm really um, intentional about that. I'm sure you are too with your cute little boy. How old is he? His name's Nate, right? Yeah, he's 17. 17. Okay. So Paige is 17 and Presley's 14. So anyway, but when I hear like all those words and you know, you you could go down those rabbit holes all day long and, you know, just having a podcast and what I'm interested in, I do go down those rabbit holes. When you see our life, I'm 54, you're a little younger than me. 52, right? yeah. 52. You know, in our lifetime that we have half, you know, whatever left, do you see like the veil thinning? Like I was thinking that the other day, like, are we ever going to come back as a human with a thinner veil or are we always going to have that dense because we came here to learn like what do you how do you see that because we can't expand if we know all the answers and why we're here so we have to it has to be the veil has to be there yeah yeah I mean I will say like asterisk asterisk always with everything I say I don't know right like I'm really <laughs> right I just like go down Plato's view the only thing I know is I know nothing that's the only truth we have is who knows but given that, I still like trying to figure it out because it's interesting while we right. are here. And what I believe to be true from my life experiences through the Akashic realm is that the soul, think of the soul as the driver and your body's the car, right? And so mm-hmm. you can only really operate so much in a car that's got less features, right? So if the car is kind of fallen apart or it's an old model or right, it doesn't go so fast or whatever, it's a convertible, but you're in the middle of a snowstorm, you got the wrong vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> so I think of our physical form as these cars and these cars, I think have limitations. I think we are hopefully upgrading the package that our soul gets to embody into so that it can learn and grow I'm sure most of your audience has checked out the four agreements, right? And and I think Are about that all the That's time. That's part of my class. I teach teenagers and they have to read the four agreements. Yeah. That's my book. That's so funny to go. say that. <laughs> well, the beginning, right? It, it, this idea that we're, we're born into a perspective that is antithetical to the soul's ability to do what it wants to here. And so what I really believe to be true is that I don't know that being human needs to be this difficult. If the world were to... Re- reverse engineer the belief systems to, you know, you're, you're a little kid and you're born into this world and, and people start saying right away, like, oh, cool. Like, wonder what that soul's journey is. Let's find out. I do parent readings all the time and I find out about their kids and I'm like, oh my God, it's so cool. Your three-year-old came with this and they're like, you just explained my 
my three, four, five, six, seven year old, like perfectly, right? If we could start to see, oh, there's a soul embodied, what's it here to do? And I don't know my son at all. That's a soul over, I don't know how many lifetimes. It could be his first, it could be his 300th. He could be an old wise soul who's an ascended master who's here. If we saw life from that perspective, like how do we um, organize towards the belief that, you know, there's so much more going on at this mystical level and that the body's here to support it, right? So what can we do to organize that person's 3D life to what the soul is looking to do? And, and they're working beautifully in tandem. One time the records gave me this incredible visual, like I told you they're cartoonish. So it was this cartoonish kind of bike. I think I'm going to tattoo it on myself, but it was a little <laughs> brain and the brain had sweat pouring off it. And he was holding the handlebars and like looking down to make sure there was no potholes. And this tandem bike for two had a little heart on the back and the heart was super cute with like feet, like, you know, little stick legs and feet and his hands were were up in the air. And it's like, when you're working properly, the brain's like working hard, navigating the heart's desire, Mm -hmm. right? On this tandem bike for two. And so I really, that's what I believe to be true. I think we're energetics, soul, the oneness, whatever you want to call it, having a physical experience, but we're coming into this world with this, unfortunate worldview that makes the process of being here extremely dense and heavy and judgmental and right and wrong and fear-based and an emotional challenge just to get through our own childhoods because of it, right? Right. Let alone to get to the soul growth part. Um, Right. So, you know, sadly, a lot of readings are like, let's clear up the childhood so you can get back to, sometimes mm. the childhood is for your soul growth, but sometimes it's really like, oh, you know, just this whole living thing's in the way. So that's what I'm hoping. We're having this awakening to a new perspective on how mm. to allow kids to be in their authentic voice young and um, and experience the joy of life more in, in, in a soul's journey here. But how have you parented, Nate? What What has been your intention? You know, it's so interesting because I had him way before I was thinking about Akashic Records that, you know, came in around the time he was 12, 10 to 12. So um, I though, again, this must have been in my soul's plan because I had one intention. I was like, I only want him to feel connected to himself. And so he trusts what's within him. And Mm -hmm. I think of myself as learning about him as he's discovering himself, I get like a front row ticket to yeah, this love that. spiritual process and I'm here to support it, right? So right. he's too young to know how to call up and set up a, an appointment to play guitar. So he wants guitar. So I set up the appointment. That's my job. And like to never know him, to, to always be open to his evolving mm. understanding of himself and to be in awe of that. And so that's, Kind of like the rest, I think, is so simple because the minute you start to say you know your kid and you know what's right for them and that you start a guitar and you have to stick with it for the rest of your life because right. I paid for it. or you right. know. And so I saw him as a spiritual teacher also because when he was born, I was like, oh, you're not corrupted and screwed up yet. You can help me remember what it was like yeah, to be free, you know? Huh. You know... I mean, Mike Page is uh, Nate's a senior, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're at this year that 
I used to always go, oh, the day that Paige is a senior. And I know that's, you know, our, our days are numbered in the house and what, you know, it's been a transition for me, especially yeah. like driving them to school and not having that this year. I've been, it's been, you know, I've had to go through some mind work. <laughs> yeah. But how do you, and this is it. I'm done. I'm so sorry. I've gone over. I, okay. I, so when I look at Paige and I just know, I trust and I just know what, when she leaves this house and what college she goes to and where she decides to major in and she's on the rowing team and she's, you know, like that spoke to her soul. We, okay, I don't know where rowing came from, but, you know, it was like one of those pageants. She does that too. And she did theater. But like you said, like we are the, we sign up, we drive them. They tell us what's calling them. How do you do that now? And this is it, I promise. And then we'll tell everyone how to find you with Nate. <laughs> going into the next phase of his life when he's, you're going to be this parent that watches him fly. Yeah. I mean, it's depressing, right? Like the best job you can do (laughs) as a parent is to say goodbye to them, right? And see that they're sore. It's like, this is definitely a hard experience. I deeply, deeply love parenting. It's it's a, Mm. a felt desire for me. It's not something I just did. It's something I truly feel was aligned for me. And so... I've been mourning. (laughs) Thank you for saying that because that's really been, I feel like I'm mourning. I'm in the room in the morning and the room at the end at night, just because I know one day she's not going to be there, you know, like a year from today. I mean, I'm talking about the present moment, right? Keep going. (laughs) So we're mourning. You're mourning too. I mean, since he was little, he would grow a little and I'd be like, oh, Nathan. And he's like, what? And he knows the joke at this, you know, when because I've been doing it since he was two I'm like, oh my God, you don't listen well because he is such a rule follower. Mm-hmm. Like, you grew again. You know, and I give him all this crap about growing because I'm like, God damn it, Nate, you can't grow. Like, you've got to stop, blah, 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 blah. Because <laughs> I love being a parent, right? And oh, it's like a too. definite chapter ending moment. So I guess if your question is, you know, how do I think about parenting him as he leaves? I really believe in my heart, this is going to be the hardest thing I've had to do. But my desire to watch him evolve into the full embodiment of what it was that he came here for is bigger than my desire to control or hold on to this process for myself. Right. It's close some days. Some days I'm like, no. Right. But ultimately, you know, I look at him and I think I've given him the resilience to get over things. My ex went through cancer, these various things in his life. And People wonder about him because he's so together. And I'm like, well, I let him have his voice. I let him have his own opinions. I let him live his own life. But the human stuff, discipline, right? Being a kind person, like I'm pretty strict with him about, right? To speak nicely. And I just kind of think like, okay, like this is less about me thinking about how to evolve into the parent that is coming and more about recognizing that this is a chapter closing for me as much as it is for him. And who do I want to become? I think about identity a lot. Okay, so mm-hmm. I, this is a longer answer, but I'll make it real short to your question. When I left my company, I was like, I'm a healthcare tech entrepreneur when I would meet, meet new moms and <laughs> I didn't have this job anymore. And I realized, wow, I'm still holding on to that. So I started to just introduce myself and say, I'm a mom. Right. Right, no more. And then I started writing And I would say, I don't know, I'm trying to do this writing thing. And then I was like, oh my God. So I got business cards and I wrote on there, writer. 
Mm-hmm. I say, I'm a writer, I'm a writer, I'm a writer, right? And so we know we are not these things. These are the masks we wear, right? And we ultimately are the the single thing that's behind all of the ways we show up. But being a mom is certainly like an identity I've been wearing for 18 years and I feel really connected to it and I love it. But like everything else, these are temporary things. So I'm excited to think about who am I when I'm not every day showing up in this capacity as often. I'm always Mm going to be his mom, but I wasn't one for a long time, for 35 years. This was 18 years. And so... I guess I'm curious more, you know, is what's helping me get through it. Who will I become as I allow him to go into the world? I'm allowing myself to like re-enter the world in a different way and and trying to think about what brings me joy as we make the separation. That said, I'm sure it'll be a bumpy couple months to to move through it. Yeah. You know, I think, thank you for sharing that because I, I mean, I've had tears in my eyes for the most time of it because yeah, I am in the thick of that. but. um it is so true. And I think I'll probably listen to you, that part of our interview in a few months, just to remember that because it's so true. It's like, I do have Presley who's, you know, I have three more years that I, you know, she's like, mom, you're going to have to drive me to school next year. And I said, I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? We're going to have to drive all, you know, and I said, oh, I can't wait. But it's an interesting experience having three years difference. And having going through this with Paige right now and knowing I have at least three, I, I've like you been so intentional with my parenting. I mean, that's why I started a raising confidence class for teenagers and parents that came from the podcast. People kept listening to me and like, can you help my kid? And I, it was 2020. And I'm like, sure. I don't, I'll just teach them what I've taught the girls. And then it turned into a class and mm. that's what I do now. But I realize. And I'm sure my Akashic records would say something about that because it is my passion and yeah. I keep taking those breadcrumbs. Yeah. But um, anyway, I could keep going, Laura. I just thank you for being here. And I just really enjoyed it. You took my my knowing and my interest and even a deeper dig into my soul, like a deeper like mm-hmm. microscope. I I mean, I went deeper when I learned mm-hmm. and I'll, it's not that I'm going to not be with you because I'm going to sign up for your class, but being with you the last few days up until now, I wake up in the morning and get so excited to like, oh, what am I going to learn about Laura today? But tomorrow, like after this, I have an interview, like after, you know, not today, but tomorrow. So I'm going to have to go all in, but to really tell you, I'll miss you. <laughs> I will. I le- I really felt in that place, like, She's really like, there's something in her that I just, I can't, you'll be the one that when I wake up on the Tuesday, cause my podcasts go out, that I'll get, jump out of bed. Cause I'm like, oh, today everybody gets to learn about Laura. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is so sweet. I've done so many of these and I have to say that is definitely this, like the most loving experience I've had. Thank you for saying that. Oh, oh it's, well, how, it's how I feel. I, I can't, it exudes. I can't tell you how I've been feeling about that. But uh, anyway, you're definitely well, a teacher in my life and uh, connect. I mean, there's no question in my life why I connected with you 100%. Thank you. Well, you do such a beautiful job of holding space for your guests. And I just really deeply appreciate being here with you. Thank you. And let's get your stuff out. People can find you, buy your books. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, lauraco.com and littlesoul.school. If you want to check out the level one class, um, there's the free key plan that you've mentioned. If you want to do it live in community, we meet, we go on the records together and we have a certification. And then there's the still point program where we get together in community twice a month. I'm really excited about this program. It's, it's new, but I go in the records and I ask the guides everything from why do we need to be right? in an argument to what is enlightenment to why can't we be happier, right? And uh, then I, somebody else leads a meditation, an Akashic meditation. So you can really get the, you'll open up your own records, go in and, and meditate in community uh, in the records and then get to practice with the community around mm-hmm. you. So if you're excited to meet friends and figure out how to do this, that's a way to meet a ton of people. Oh, fun. Oh, I'm signing up. I already told you. Let's, can't wait. <laughs> Aw, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.